started this new series entitled 212, Moving Our Life Beyond the Norm and moving ourselves to a place of transformation that God wants you to live. In fact, it says in Revelation chapter 3 that I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're neither hot nor cold, because you're lukewarm, God's word says this. It says, it it even goes so graphic as to say, because you're neither hot nor cold, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you forth from my mouth. I'm going to remove you from from the body. God wants us to live a life that's got some energy to it, that's got some life to it. And, And God has designed us. Listen, life is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. God's not called you to simply survive. And friends, he's not called you to success. What he's called you to is a life of significance, a life of purpose. You have a destiny, but that destiny is not a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. The choices that you make determine your destiny. The word of God says, choose you this day whom you shall serve. Let me ask you a question. Would you say, give me, help me out with, with some response here. Would you say that it is your desire to be a Christ follower? Would you say that's true? Would you say that it's your desire to be Christ-like? Okay, I'm, ho- I'm hopeful there's more than four of you here this morning. Okay, would you say that it's your desire to be Christ-like? Okay, good, because I want to talk to you about that. Because this idea of living life to its full, living the life that God has meant for us to live, there, there is something significant that happens when we fully embrace that. There's also, there's something very dangerous that happens when we live outside of our destiny, when we live outside of our calling. In fact, uh, several years ago, I, I read a, a fascinating experiment. that It was conducted by the National Institute of Mental Health. And it took place in a nine-foot square cage. This cage was designed to, to house comfortably 160 mice. Now, For some of you, even just that mental image right now, you're a little bit uncomfortable. It's okay. So they they did this study for two and a half years. This colony of mice grew from eight to 2,200. Now, plenty of food was provided, plenty of water, other resources. In fact, everything was continually provided. In fact, all mortality factors except aging were eliminated. And and the person that was over this study, Dr. John Calhoun, a research psychologist, he began to witness a a series of unusual phenomena happening among the mice as the population reached its peak. Listen to this. As this this colony grew from 8 to 160 and beyond, and it, it began to get a little bit crowded, sounds a lot like Orlando, doesn't it? So it begins to get a little bit crowded as a thousand new people move into Orlando every week. A series of unusual phenomena among the mouse began to happen. Within the cage from which the mice could not escape, the colony began to disintegrate. Adults formed groups or cliques of about a dozen mice in each group. And in these groups, different mice performed different social functions. The males who normally protected their territory withdrew from leadership and they become uncharacteristically passive. The females became unusually aggressive and forced out the young. The young found themselves without a place in their mouse society and they grew to be increasingly more self-indulgent. 
They ate, drank, slept, and groomed themselves, but they showed no normal assertiveness. The whole mouse society ultimately became disrupted. And after about five years, all the mice had died, even though there was an abundance of food, water, and resources, and a complete absence of disease. What, what was most interesting to the observers was the strong independence, the extreme isolation syndrome of the mice. It was greatly emphasized by the fact that courtship and mating, which is a very uh, complex activity for mice, but it's also a very integral part of their life, right? In, in, in two and a half years, they went from eight to 2,200. But this courtship and mating, the relationship aspect, that, that it, it ceased to exist. Not only did it cease to exist, but it was one of the first activities that ceased to exist. Here's the question today. What result would similar conditions have on you and I? What result would similar conditions have on humanity? What would the results of an overcrowded condition of an unescapable planet with, with all the accompanying stress factors? Well, here's what Dr. Calhoun suggested. He said that we had first ceased to reproduce our ideas. And along with our ideas, our goals, our ideals, and our values would be lost. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. While we're not mice, it's happening. It's happening in this ever-increasing, ever-populated world. Our world has become a large, impersonal, busy institution. We are alienated from one another. Although crowded, we are lonely, distant, pushed together, but uninvolved. Many not knowing what my message was this morning, what you did in providing that social interaction, it was brilliant. Because it's something that is massively lacking in the world around us. No longer do neighbors meet across the backyard fence. The well-manicured front lawns are the modern moats that keep the barbarians at bay. No talking, no smiling, no eye contact when we find ourselves with others in the elevator. Painful, though it may be for us to admit, here in this great land of America, we're losing touch with one another. The motivation to help, to encourage, to serve our fellow man is waning. And yet, Here's what I find. I find that your answer today, when I asked you if you have a desire to be a Christ follower, if you have a desire to be Christ-like, I believe this. I believe that your answer was absolutely sincere. God, I want to be Christ-like in what I do. I want to be Christ-like in who I am. I want to be Christ-like in my character, in my conduct, and in my connection. And yet... Here's what I also know. I know this, that 70% of those of us that gather together in this room today, and arguably a larger percentage who watch via the very immediate, various media connects that we have, 70% of us have no outlet for service. And when Jesus was asked to describe himself 
In fact, it's recorded in several of the Gospels that the mother of James and John, she comes to Jesus, she brings her sons with her. And they come to Jesus and they bow and she says, Jesus, I want to ask you a favor. He says, what is it that you want? She said, when you enter into your kingdom, I want one of my sons to be on your left and one of your sons to be on your right. And Jesus said, do, do you understand what you're asking for? Do you really think you can keep, drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And James and John goes, oh yeah, we can. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. And, 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 and as this is happening, the other 10 of the 12 disciples, Scripture tells us this, that they get upset, they get indignant, right? And they're not indignant at the arrogance of James and John or the boldness of James and John's mother. They're indignant because they're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Why is it that they get the position of honor and not us? Who, who, who says they should be on, sitting on Jesus' left or right? I think with all that I've done, I think that should be me. And Jesus, he, he brings the 12 to him and he says, listen. He says, I understand what the world has modeled to you. But what the world has modeled to you is an unhealthy model. It's an, it's an inaccurate model. In fact, it's a destructive model. He said, this is not the way it's supposed to work. He said, even, even the Son of Man, referring to himself, very God of very God, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus, Jesus says this in a different, uh, d- different portion of Scripture. He says this, do you not know that you didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I tell you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Paul describes it this way in Philippians. He says, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself and took on the role of a servant. Now, I'm, I'm confident of this. I'm confident that our, our intent is honorable. That our heart is tender. We just were unfortunately confused about what it means to be Christ-like. And we push away from the idea of serving because the enemy has given us a warp, a twisted view of what service means. When we think of serving, we think of menial. When we think of serving, we, we think of lowly. And yet, Jesus says this, if you want to be great, be a servant. Well, how is, how is, it, that, how is it that that works? Well, let me remind you, last week we talked about this. We talked about the four desires of people, right? The four desires of people. Number one is this, um, we want to we walk in some degree of abundance. We, we want to make a, a good living, 
Correct? Anybody here, anybody here not want to make a good living? Anybody here go, oh, please, God, let me live in abject poverty? No, I didn't think so. We want to make a good living. We want to, we want to achieve uh, some level of success. Okay? We, want to, we, want to, we want to accomplish something uh, in, in the world around us. Uh, we also, we want to achieve some level of significance that, that our life matters for something and, and, that, and that, our, that our reputation is one where when people talk about us, they go, that Peter's a great guy. Right? That, 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 that Diane, she's a, she's, a, she's a remarkable woman. And we, we want to we wanna have healthy relationships. In this in this godly desire that we have to achieve some level of success, to have our life have some level of significance, and to engage in relationship, three of the four things that we desire are difficult, if not impossible, without an adequate demonstration of service in our life. And yet, and here's the thing, friend, I'm not here this morning to put you on blast, but 70% of the people in this room and even a higher percentage of those that are watching uh, via a screen right now, we have no overt expression of service as it relates to the kingdom of God. And, and here's, I want to let you in on a little secret. If I could go around the room today and interview person after person after person and talk to you about the time in your life where you were experiencing the greatest joy, the season in your life that was the most fulfilling that, that time when you felt the closest to God and, and saw the, the power of God moving in the most dramatic ways, here's what you would find over and over and over again that would be overtly connected to a season of significant service to the kingdom. Now, for some of you, this is powerfully resonating, and the Holy Spirit is even speaking right now and convicting you in a healthy way about the lack of activity, the lack of connection, the lack of service in your life. And I would encourage you this morning, don't push back away, lean into that. Because God's brought you here to restore the joy. Remember what Jesus said, I tell you this so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. I bring this message to you this morning not because I'm looking for, for, for people to do some project. Know my heart. I do it because I recognize the opportunity for incredible blessing that's in front of you. The opportunity for unspeakable power that God wants to flow through you. The opportunity for fulfillment for some of us like we've never experienced. 
I don't know, is, is Pastor Izzy in, in the house? He might be out wandering around. Izzy, are you in here? Izzy, come here. So Izzy yesterday, Izzy was part of the team that went uh, out canvassing the neighborhoods. And what they did is this, is they went and they, uh, they, they handed out these, these little door hangers. By the way, there's a bunch of these left over. I encourage you to take some of these with you when you leave. They're out down in the lobby. Take some of these with you and, uh, and get these to the people that you like and the people that you don't like. Um, but um, canvassing some areas, and can, we, we, were, we were canvassing some, specifically some needy areas, okay? And, uh, and Izzy, you were a part of that yesterday, right? I was, yes, sir. And um, so how was that experience for you? It, it, was, uh, it was both a challenging experience, but it was a well-worth uh, experience. We got to... Uh, Experienced some really, really cool ministry moments yesterday. Who, who are you walking with? I was walking with Pastor Bonilla. And how was that? Um, interesting. He has more energy than I do. Um, and his boldness and passion for people. For you don't know, Pastor Bonilla is 25 plus years older than, than Pastor Izzy. And, and, and I was chasing after him. Um, and, um, so you're in a fairly impoverished area. Yes. How would you feel about that? Um, be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I can be honest. It, it was a little uh, nerve-wracking walking through some of those neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, but the need is so great. Um, we, we got to meet some pretty interesting folks. Now, Pastor Bonilla, um, we started out the day uh, putting door hangers, but he thought it would be much better if we walked through, rather than going through the front door, walking through their backyards to see if we would find anybody. <laughs> Um, and did you find people? We did. <laughs> they were all hiding in their backyards. <laughs> and, and every, Came upon some drug deals. Uh, we, we, did, uh, we did disrupt a couple of drug deals happening. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the feeling was the same with every uh, encounter that we had with folks. Uh, once we got to share our message and why we were there, uh, they were welcoming. They would hide the drugs and come talk to us. Now, there was, there was one particular woman that um, when you guys first saw her, uh, she was moving away from you and uh, did not want to talk y to you. Yeah, so Pastor Bonilla can be a little intimidating. Uh, so he started walking behind uh, this older lady, and she started speeding up. So did he. He started chasing after her. Uh, and at one point, she turned around and said, no English. And he was like, that's fine. I speak Spanish. And he kept running after her. Uh, and, and we got to minister uh, to that lady for 15 minutes. We sat and spoke to her uh, and just shared our heart, shared what we're doing with Convoy. Uh, and it, it turned out that she's been living, she just moved here and lives by herself. And she said, this is exactly what I need. And here's, here's the thing. This is a lady who is living in fear. She's living without hope. And in that, in that initial interaction, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because she's imprisoned by fear. And as you and, and Pastor Bonilla, as you, as you press through that fear and let her know 
that somebody cares. In that moment, what you brought her, and, and this, is, this is, I love the fact that this is called Convoy of Hope, because what you brought her is hope. That's right. Now, here's the question that I have for you. At the beginning of the day, mm-hmm. like when you, when you were first starting, what was your disposition? What was your attitude? I, I was, I felt a little defeated. In okay. Morning. At the end of the day, how did you feel? It was well worth it. it you know, the, all the steps, the heat, and walking through those uneasy neighborhoods, uh, we felt like we were, I felt like I was making a difference. Yeah. I tell you what, um, I, I enjoy doing life and ministry with you. I have never seen you here on this campus more energized than what you were when you walked in to pastor's prayer this morning and you sharing this story. Izzy, this is what we do. We yes. give the church the opportunity to move from a passive state to an engaged state because I want the sense of fulfillment that you experienced yesterday. I want every one of these people and every, everybody who's sitting in front of a computer, sitting in front of a television screen right now, I want them to experience that same level of fulfillment. Jesus said this, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. And that's what you did yesterday. You bore fruit, fruit that will last. Heaven will tell the story of what happens because of the interactions you have. And Jesus says, it is to my Father's glory that you do this. And I tell you this so that my joy may be in you and that joy may be complete. Amen. Did you experience joy yesterday? I did. Friends, that, thank you. That's what it's all about. Listen, that's what it's all about. And we live in a time, we live in a day, we live in a place that desperately needs to know that there's hope. And God is wanting to re-energize his church. I want you to do this. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. And I'm just going to take a few more moments uh, and then I'm I'm, going to invite you to an altar. In 1 Peter chapter 4, the beginning of, of, of 1 Peter chapter 4 in my Bible, it has this chapter heading up at the top, and it says, living for God. Living for God. And uh, I would encourage you, that 1 Peter chapter 4, the entire chapter is a good chapter to read. I, I just want to highlight a small portion of 1 Peter chapter 4. And here's what it says, uh, starting in verse 7. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever Amen. Now, what, what is recorded to us here in 1 Peter chapter 4, it's a, friend, it's a common theme. It's a common theme of the totality of Scripture. It's an amazingly common theme when we look at the New Testament principles upon which God has called us to live our life. And it's that idea that each of you should use whatever, whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
So the question uh, that we ask ourselves today, two questions is this, why? Why should I serve? And we find the answer here in 1 Peter chapter 4. I should serve, number one, because the time is short. The time is short. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is near. Now, here's what I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you if Christ is going to return today, next year, or next century. But I, I, know, I know what's true about me. The time is short. I know what's true about you. The time is short. I know about the thousands of folks who live, who live in this city. The time is short. We, we have a we have a small window, and we're told, do not, do not live your life as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity or redeeming the time, another translation puts it, because the days are evil. And the reason I should serve is because the time is short. There are people that we, were in, that we will interact with today that they don't have a tomorrow. The time is short. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm too busy. If you're too busy to be engaged in kingdom service, ma'am, sir, you are too busy. And here's my question to you. Are you busy storing up for yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth corrupt, where thieves can break in and steal? Wow, he just went from preaching to meddling. That's okay. That's all right. Listen, the time is short. Secondly, we should serve because the enemy's at work. Right? First Peter 4, 7 goes on to say, therefore be alert and, and, and a sober mind so that you may pray. Recognize what's going on around you. And we live in a time where much like those mice, we're becoming more and more isolated and the fabric of our society is falling apart. And the fabric of our society, friends, is falling apart because the church is asleep. It is time, it is time, it is time for the church to rise up. That's the reason why I will tell you this July 27 event, Convoy of Hope, is so important. Because what it does is it communicates the world, to the world around us. It will communicate to 10,000 people on Saturday, somebody cares about you. There is hope. You matter. Let's come back as a community. Let's re-engage in social interaction. Let's even take a little bit of risk. They'll put their drugs down. Yeah, you'll interact with the occasion, demoniac. You interacted with a couple of people yesterday. Pretty obvious, high likelihood they were demon-possessed. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And our, our God goes before us. I was, on, on one occasion while canvassing, I had somebody look at me and they said, are you from the, are you from the government? No. Nope. Are you selling magazines? No. Nope. They said, well, that's the only reason white people come into this neighborhood. And I said, well, actually, there's a third. And I said, I'm here simply because I care. 
Because I care. Because you and I aren't any different. Here's what we are. We are God's creation, loved by him, caught up in a fallen world in which it's so easy to lose sight of the hope that's available to us. And I've come to understand that hope, and I've come to share with you the reality of that hope. I'm a messenger. That's all I am. Can I have some lemonade? <laughs> that, was the, that was a legitimate conversation. See, the time is short. The enemy's at work. And the third thing is this, is when we serve, it's deeply impacting. Let me talk specifically about this Saturday. There's some of you that, that as we talk about this Conway of Hope event, there's some of you that you go, what can I do? Okay? Here's the thing. Let me, let me, let me, see, that. Let me see that flyer. Okay? If you're, if you're in the house today and you have the ability to go like this, we have a job for you. Um, if you have the ability to sit underneath a tent and talk to people, we've got a place for you. Well, it's going to be hot. We're done before noon. You really, you, want, let me, you might want to write this down. Suck it up. I've got, I've got a lot going on. Is what you have going on this Saturday, does it have the kingdom impact? Let's talk about priorities for a moment. And does it have the ability to bring a God-infused joy like you haven't experienced in months or even years? See, I'm challenging this not because I need you to show up in Tinkerfield at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning. I'm telling you this because it's time for you to get back in the game or for some of us to engage for the very first time. Because you're missing out on the joy. And it's deeply impacting Above all, love each other deeply. Because it has, when you demonstrate love, it has huge impact. So why should I serve? Because the time is strategic. Because you can count on the fact that the enemy is doing his part. And because when we engage, it makes a difference. How should I serve? 1 Peter 4 tells us that as well. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Number one is this. I should serve in accordance with my gifting. Let me give you an example. This Saturday, we're going to have a tent where their people can get their hair cut. If you're here and you're a hairstylist, you can cut people's hair. Peter, if you're not a hairstylist, we're not going to let you cut people's hair. Yeah, yeah, that, well, yes, okay? If there are guys that just go cut it all off, you know, that's, I think I could do that one, right? I mean, I could do it with the electric one. Like, if I had to bick it, oh my goodness, that would be frightening. So we would have, we, there'd be need for a lot of, per I will not be in the haircutting tent, okay? That's not my, that's not my, that's not my part, right? So I will serve 
in the area that is, that is consistent with my giving. You know, what I know, you know what I can do? This I know I can do. I can wrap hot dogs. I can wrap hot dogs. So I'm looking forward to helping wrap like 8,000 hot dogs. Take a hot dog, put it on a bun, put it in aluminum foil, wrap it up, put it in the bag. I can do that. I can, I can do that. So we serve in accordance with our, with our gifting. So I should serve in accordance with my gifting, recognizing what I'm called to do. I came to the realization a number of years ago that the, the, the area that God has called me to serve in the church is not as a worship pastor. I wish it could be. Like, I wish I could be a worship pastor, and I wish I could play the piano or this, oh man, if I could play the saxophone, that would be awesome. Every time Jonathan plays, man, it just melts my heart. Uh, but God didn't give me that gift. Those of you that have been around, you know this. The only thing, I can play the piano, I can play oh, when the saints go marching in with one hand. That's all I got, okay? And that would work for like a month or two, but I think after like two months, I think you guys would get tired of singing when the saints go marching in. Just thinking. Uh, I'm not called to children's ministry. I'm grateful that, that God has given us some great candidates to, to step into this role of children and family. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm more glad that it's not me. I did it once in the late 80s. Late 80s, I was a youth pastor and children's pastor at the same time. Oh, God help those kids. So uh, they survived. We didn't lose any, but I don't know if we helped that many. We, we serve in accordance with our gifting. We also, we should serve to where it benefits those around us. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Now there's some of you in the room here that you've got the gift of gab. Well, let me, let me put it this way, you're horrible gossips, okay? You can talk. And there are, there are people that will be I think you're feeling this Saturday that they need an encouraging word. You're, you're that person. You're God's representative. Each of us should use whatever gift we have received. That's the other thing that's fascinating to me is this. It's not a talent that I've acquired. It's a gift that I've received. It's a divine enablement that God has given me. I should also, I should serve so it demonstrates God's grace. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. I should serve in such a way that it causes people not to praise me but that it causes people to praise God. Let your light so shine, God's word says, so that they see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So let me do this as I bring our time together to a close. How's the joy meter in your life? No rationalization honest assessment. If we were to do a survey of the people around you, would they say, oh, 
she's got a contagious smile. She's constantly smiling. He just, his joy lights up a room. How's your joy? If we were to ask your family, your spouse, how's your joy? You did not choose me, Jesus says. I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I tell you this so that my joy may be in you. And that joy may be complete. You've been struggling with feeling devalued. You've been struggling in relationship. You've been struggling in career. And God brought you here this morning to hear this. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. Pastor, I'm tired. You want to know the answer to your fatigue? Service. Pastor, I'm busy. You want to know the answer to your busyness? Service. Pastor, I, I don't have anything to offer. You want to know the answer to that that brings value? Service. Pastor, I'm concerned about the world today. In fact, I live riddled with anxiety. Do you want to know what the answer to your anxiety is? Service. Jesus modeled that. He championed it. He commands it. And he offers it to you today. This is the time, July 21st, 2019, for you to say, God, I want to move from passive to engaged. God, I want to live with a greater sense of your power. This power that people talk about, I want to experience it. This anointing that I hear about, I want to experience it. This joy I hear about, I want to experience it. So God, if your word says, and it's clear it does, if your word says that the avenue to experience all that is to be actively engaged in kingdom work, if you want to be great, be a servant, God, I make myself available as a servant today. I guarantee you, friend, you make that determination, that decision, that declaration this morning. The greatest season of your life is immediately in front of you. Don't miss the moment. 
Don't allow your busyness, your fatigue, your anxiety, don't allow anything to keep you from experiencing the amazing that God has immediately in front of you. Because there is nothing better. Nothing better. Nothing better. So God, I thank you that life isn't meant to be endured. That life is meant to be experienced and meant to be enjoyed. Your word says that you you came to give us life and life to its full. God, we know that the enemy tries to discourage and distract, and even now the enemy is trying to discourage and distract. But we thank you, God, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God, thank you for the confirmation today that you, you brought us here to remind us that we indeed are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which you prepared in advance for us to do. So God, here's what we do. We say yes to you. Even, even God, even for the unbeliever that's here, the skeptic, God, let them say yes to service and discover you in the midst of it. God, for the weary, for the weary Christ follower, let them discover how they can be re-energized today in this moment. Let it be, oh God. Let it be. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.